some people go, man, I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you went through four years of prison and didn't just leave so bitter and angry and frustrated and at the injustice of it all. And I think, well, I don't either. But God truly did work all things together. This is The Unseen Story, first-hand accounts that reveal the supernatural reality of God's love. When His love leads, a remarkable story follows. The Unseen Story is a nonprofit that relies on financial support from listeners like you. Please visit our website, theunseenstory.org, to find out how you can partner with us today. You're listening to Delton's Story, a picture of grace. Well, hi, my name's Delton, and I hate to say this out loud, but I'm a middle-aged man. Um, a uh, husband of a, of a dear woman for 28 years and parent of three children, uh, two adult children and, and one still in high school. I was raised as uh, a Latin American. My dad is a Cuban immigrant. Uh, my mom was born here in the States. Uh, so I have a very interesting um, worldview, uh, but I was raised as uh, a follower of Christ, and I'm grateful for that. And I have a long long-standing tradition in our family on both sides of Christ followers and a deep legacy of uh, a Christ-honoring, Christ-following family. So I spent uh, 47 months in federal prison. I don't have to tell you that going to prison is not an easy thing to do. But somehow, uh, from the very beginning, we knew that God was at work. We knew that God had a bigger story in mind, and we were on the hunt for it. And so we, we took things a little more seriously. Um, we were trying to be more attentive uh, to what was going on because we kept, it was like that sense of anticipation of we know something's going to happen, we're waiting for it to happen. And it's amazing what you notice when you live like that. My first day there, um, that, that, that memory is very vivid for me. Uh, I'd just taken a, a tour uh, with the counselor, kind of introducing me to the place, showing me around, showing me where my bunk is. And I came in and, and met a guy named Thad, and he came up to me almost immediately after I got there, walked right up to me, big, larger-than-life kind of a guy. He's six, four, six, five, maybe taller, um, very fit, very... Uh, he was played safety at Southern Miss, big guy, big, strong guy, but the, a smile that was just contagious. And he came up with his big eyes and big smile and said, greeted, him, greeted me, said, I'm Thad. He said, you're a Christian, aren't you? But I thought, wow, of of all the people that could have approached me, this guy walked right up to me and I guess could see the Holy Spirit in me, was discerning enough to see that. And I said, well, yeah. He said, I knew it. <laughs> he said, uh, he said, we need to, you know, we need to talk. You know, we're going to be friends. I was like, okay. And he said, so meet me tonight um, after count, the count at 930, meet me in the last shower stall for prayer time. <laughs> I paused. I said, that's not going to happen. <laughs> I'm not meeting anybody in the last shower stall for anything. I laugh at that now, but um, the day goes on. It's a kind of a blur. We get count, and lights go off, and sure enough, there's that. He said, hey, you come to pray? And I was Now I'm kind of pressured. I'm like, what? And, he, and he's with three other guys, so now I'm feeling a little safer. That There's safety in numbers. So we went back, and sure enough, there's maybe a dozen guys and had a prayer time, I, I have to be honest, I, I've never experienced a prayer time 
quite as robust, quite as alive, quite as real as that time. I prayed virtually every night after count for four years with that group of guys. So sometimes it was just me and dad. And because people were involved in that place, it wasn't always the same people. But we saw miracles um, where people would begin to send in their prayer requests to inmates to say, hey, will you please pray for this? My my sister-in-law has breast cancer. My my brother lost his job. My my best friend is dealing with a marital crisis. Um, different, and it, some things materialistic, some things um, health-related, some things we just, this person needs Jesus. And we would share a little bit of that time every night was to share the answers to prayer. And so... A couple days later, Dad said, hey, uh, I need you to talk to this guy, David. He's asking me questions I don't know the answer to, and I think you know the answers. And I, I don't know why he thought I would know the answers, but I said, well, yeah, okay, I'll talk to him. And uh, I talked to David, and he says, you know, we talked for a few minutes, and he, the, David turns out he's uh, one of the smartest guys I've ever met. National Merit Scholar, passed the bar in like six states, and was, a, was an attorney, and, you know, did the New York Times every day, the crossword every day. And on Sunday, he would time himself, I think, <laughs> to see how fast he could do it. I, I mean, I can't get four words in that crossword, and he was completing it. So super, super well-read, super intelligent. And he said, man, I've been studying this whole Christian thing, and I'm starting to understand, and it makes sense, and I kind of understand how it ties. I mean, very intellectual conversation about it. He read Case for Christ, and he read um, some other apologetic type of stuff. He says, so I get all of the, the, from the intellectual side, I said, what I don't get is, I don't understand this whole grace thing. You're going to have to explain that to me. <laughs> so here I am in a situation where I'm talking to a guy intellectually far surpassing anything I'd ever uh, thought about and trying to explain a concept that I myself don't truly understand of, um, of grace. And so I just asked the Holy Spirit to guide me and, and, started telling stories um, that I'd heard to explain grace. And at the end of our time, David, you know, and I, you know, got to talk and whatever. And then he just got super emotional. Eyes filled up. He said, I see. He said, I want that. <laughs> I want grace. Fast forward a few years. Um, and I had a convert or in a class actually um, in seminary and talking about grace and my professor said something that was very startling to me. He said, grace is repulsive. And I thought, no, it's, it's not. It's so inviting and it's so relieving. But as he explained it, it made sense that grace is repulsive because it requires us to be in a position of submission and a position of a subordinated position to receive that. And I resonated with that because and we... We've been, all our lives we've been, my parents were very generous people and taught me to be generous. But we entered this season and suddenly our family was in a position of having to receive. We were no longer in a position to give. We were no longer in a position um, where we were a resource, but we had to rely on the resources of others. And it was a difficult transition and it was a, a stark and sudden transition. We went from almost one day to the next, from having plenty and having, um, being in a position of help to suddenly having to receive. And, and so I've seen that, again, looking back as God has shaped my life. Personally, when my, that first day I was telling you about where Thad came up, 
Um, he also came up bearing gifts. He had in his hand a bar of soap, um, and he had a toothbrush and a tube of toothpaste. And he said, "Hey, I have some things for you from the Christian Brothers." And Ed came up and he said, "Hey, I'm from I'm with the Christian Brothers, and here's and they, they gave me a pair of shorts and they gave me uh, shower shoes and they gave me." Um, a jar of peanut butter <laughs> and a couple of Snickers bars and some things that I would have probably bought for myself on commissary in, in a week or two whenever I could do get to commissary. But so here's all these guys handing me stuff. My natural fleshly reaction was to not receive, was to, no, no, I, I can do this. And I'd even been counseled through these books and articles and things that I'd read to not take anything from anybody. But yet the first people to approach me were Christian brothers saying, here, we're giving to you. But it was a small taste of what I would see over the next few years of receiving. Um, and the story I love to tell is about a guy named Lewis um, in Orlando. Now, Lewis is a, I consider him a friend now. I was an acquaintance at the time. He was really a friend of my brother's. And my brother reached out to me, said, Lewis wants to talk to you. Um, can you add him to your to your email list or whatever so he can get communication? I'm limited to how many how many people I can get communications from. So I was giving up a, a communication slot for someone I didn't really know. But I said, yeah, I, I'll, I can do that. So we started communicating, and shortly thereafter, Lewis said, I want to do something for you, Dalton. I want to be, um, I want to stand in the gap for you, and I want to do for your family the things you can't do for yourself. He said, so if you can give me your wife and kids' names, um, and their birthdays and their interests, what they like, their favorite color, favorite candy bar, you know, whatever, whatever you can tell me about them. And then when my wife and my kids are shopping, we want to keep you guys in mind and we want to like put together care packages and stuff for them, which I was dumbfounded by. I was like, wait, uh, you know, <laughs> they say that he says in, uh, in scripture to care for those who are incarcerated as though you were incarcerated yourself. But the kind of empathy that it takes to really put yourself in the shoes of someone going through that, like the impact of the gesture when, when my, my son come, my, at the time, like eight year old son, daddy, 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 thank you so much for the, for the Sour Patch Kids. I loved them. I was like, well, apparently he'd gotten a little box, little package crammed full of Sour Patch Kids that I told Lewis that he likes Sour Patch Kids. Cran full with a little note from dad saying, just letting you know I'm thinking about you. I hope you enjoy these. I can't express how um, how thoughtful that is <laughs> and how how it ministered to me. And so that happened. My, my wife got flowers on her birthday and on our anniversary and my kids got a card and a package of some sort on their birthdays. And sometimes at the end of school or at the beginning of school, um, and it wasn't just on their birthdays. It was just sort of habitually throughout the year, they would get random packages from dad. And I wrote them letters and I wrote them emails and I, you know, I stayed in touch too, but it was, I, I had no ability to send them tangible things. And so that's, that's one of the many ways that God continued to provide um, you know, when you're, when your little boy looks at you in gratitude for something that you had nothing to do with other than allowing, allowing someone to be generous and not refusing that. I mean, again, that position of, of, of subordination to say, yes, I, I'll receive your, 
I'll receive your act of generosity. The paradigm of prison, I don't want to scare people away. It's, it's broader than that. That's just my life experience and where I saw the church working. And I think the more we can amplify the things that God does and the more that we're anticipating his involvement and the more that we're aware of his involvement, the more we'll see it. I remember I started, I told the story, I bounced around a little bit. So I kept journals while I was there. And when I, when I, when David, um, had this conversion experience, I thought, I think that's noteworthy. I'm going to write that down. And so I wrote it, I said, you know, at the top of my journal, I forget the, how I labeled it, but encounters with Christ or something. And I wrote his name down and I can't, to this day, I can't explain why, but I wrote the number 50 next to his name. And two weeks later, three weeks later, a guy named Jeff, I led to Christ and I wrote his name down and he went home like the week later and I wrote 49. I started counting down. Well, I told Pam, I said, well, as soon as I see 50 men come to Christ, I think God's going to release me. <laughs> well, about three weeks before I went home, 47 months later, <laughs> I led my celly, my uh, bunkmate, to Christ. And I wrote, wrote his name down, Caesar, and I wrote number one next to his name. Some people go, man, I don't know how you did it. I don't know how you went through four years of prison and didn't just leave so bitter and angry and frustrated and at the injustice of it all. And I think, well, I don't either. <laughs> But knowing that God was at work and that God truly did work all things together and not just, you know, the friend of mine said, you know, the, if you go to the Greek um, in Romans and the word for all, what it really means is all. <laughs> not some, not most, not on occasion, not when he feels like it, but he works all things together. And if we can keep a glimpse of that, and whether that glimpse comes because you heard me tell my story or because you've experienced it in your own life or you've seen it in Scripture, knowing that what we view as an evil, what we view as a negative, ultimately puts us in a place to be in better communion and better relationship with the Almighty God of the universe. Um, hopefully does not only just give it merit, but gives it a sense of worth and as a crucible purifies gold that makes us a little bit more like Christ we encourage you to ask Holy Spirit what he wants to say to you through this story we invite you to partner with us through your God-given resources of time prayer and finances without your sharing these stories don't spread to those who need them without your prayers we are limited in what we can do for the kingdom. Without your finances, these powerful stories of God's supernatural love go untold. God has called us to share his stories, and we invite you to be a part of that mission. For more information, be sure to check out our website at theunseenstory.org. Thanks so much for listening.